Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with Martin Funky Willis. You know, I was thinking I should take an improv class so I know how to react to what you're going to call me because I never have any idea. Mm-hmm. Funky. Yeah, but I like okay. your reactions. Okay, but uh, if you yeah, did I, that, I could do funky. And then you had some sort of like weird, you know, um, over the top reaction. Um, it might feel too, you know, too staged and everything. And I don't, I don't know that I would. It would be as fun. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. I'll take funky. It's not bad. Yeah, Martin Funky, funky Monkey. Willis. That's pretty good. Funky yeah. Willis. Right on. Right on. Mm-hmm. Kind of like P Funk. You know P Funk. No, I don't. How about me funk? No. No? No, okay. that's, that's smelly. That's when you haven't showered. Um, oh. P-Funk is like George Clinton out of uh, out of uh, Minnesota. Okay. You don't know that sound, George Clinton? Look it up. Uh, I am as we, as we speak. Okay. Okay. Well, you yeah. got to do UFO news. But the whole topic of, of today's... Uh, podcast kind of leads into, of course, the, some of the biggest news, which is this whole Tom DeLong announcement. And I have on Leslie Kane, and uh, she kind of kicked off this whole Tom DeLong announcement thing last week. And so, right. luckily, I was able to get her on because we've been conversing back and forth and have had similar thoughts on the whole thing. And so, she's going to be joining us. And um, I guess just to put in a nutshell, you know, what occurred, and of course, you and I, I'm sure we'll talk more about this um, soon, and, and, but... Um, Tom DeLong had an announcement. Leslie Kane on Monday, last Monday, uh, wrote a story about his upcoming announcement and some very credible and impressive people that would be part of it. When the announcement came last Tuesday morning, essentially at the heart of it was Tom DeLong saying he's starting this new company, that uh, this company is going to have three different aspects that they're going to be looking into, one of those being entertainment because, of course, that's what he does. Uh, the other parts, however, being more along the lines of science and um, and like aerospace. So they want to promote science and they actually want to do aerospace. So they want to develop like uh, these like over unity devices, power devices, kind of like Elon Musk with Tesla. But they also want to develop like spaceship uh, warp speed spaceships and stuff like this. All of this based on UFOs and, you know, the observations of UFOs and the technologies 
um, that they've been able to glean. So nothing to do with aliens. Some people were kind of hoping that I think that he would be talking about aliens and he would be disclosing some alien stuff and blah, blah, blah. Right. But there was some disclosure that happened because what's most exciting and what Leslie and I talk most about is the implications for our field, which is that there were four gentlemen, three gentlemen that actually spoke at this event, and then a fourth, Hal Putoff, that was also in the video. But one of these guys worked for Lockheed Martin, Skunk Works. Um, He's a guy, Steve Justice, who we haven't heard from before. He's kind of coming out of the, the... insider dark arena to uh, work in this area. And he believes in UFOs and he wants to help develop technology based off of observation of UFOs. So that's really exciting because he, he worked for skunk works and skunk works. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mention that the next person first, another person you've interviewed, Chris Mellon. Um, and mm-hmm. he worked for the CIA for many years. What's kind of cool about this is it was the CIA and Skunk Works together, well, Lockheed in particular, that developed and ran Area 51 and still do. But, uh, yeah, so you've interviewed him. We've talked about him before. We'll be talking more about him. Um, the other person, though, we hadn't heard from is a guy named uh, – they call him Lou, Lou Elizondo. And this is exciting because this was yes. the real disclosure part. This mm-hmm. is a guy who worked for the DOD, Department of Defense, looking at UFOs. He was essentially looking at unknown targets and any Threats, unknown right? unknown threat in particular. I was what I was going to yeah. say is any unknown, you know, uh target or object is automatically um referred to as a threat because if we don't know what it is, we have to assume it's a threat. Is kind of what he uh. talks about. And that he believes some of these unknowns um, kind of like Nick Pope, you know, he was working for the, the DOD looking for these things. And just like Nick Pope, he believes some of these things were technology that were beyond what we have and come from unknown places. And like the rest of the guys, feels that we can glean some of the technology observed from these objects to develop our own kind of thing. But they also want to research UFOs. So I got to talk to another one of the guys. He He didn't present, I don't think, at the press conference but he was in this video at the end his name was jim semivan and i have a short interview on one of my stories on the uh, whole event and he spent 25 years in the cia he's also really into ufos and you can hear more about him on the video that tom delong provided in my uh interview uh, on line or on my story and then also leslie and i will be talking about him some more as well in our interview but uh really uh really really interesting stuff yes i i i got out of it um what you did and the most impressive part to me may not be that impressive to other people but it is to me and that was when he did admit that um he was studying ufos I mean, mm-hmm. to me, out of the whole thing, that was like a wow moment. I agree with you. For years, the government's been saying that they don't look into UFOs anymore. And here's a guy who is doing it, coming out and admitting that that is not true. So that that's very significant for the UFO field. I mean, I don't know how you get around that. Some people are trying to downplay the whole thing and say, oh, it's no big deal. But... That's a big deal, and I don't know how people can feel otherwise. Um, Yeah. 
I can see, Ab- and you and I talked about this, how some people might be disappointed because Tom DeLonge obviously believes a lot more wild and kind of fringe ideas, and he says he believes this because of insiders. Not these insiders, obviously, but... Um, right. So I think people were hoping for that, but uh, I don't know. Were you just, I mean, were you expecting any sort of big announcement that aliens are are kind of uh, in a battle with the government or something like that? Well, um, you know, I didn't know what to expect exactly. And, um, but yeah, maybe something along that line. But, you know, I think that it made that announcement that I just talked about kind of made up for, I mean that was that was really significant to me, and um, uh, but uh, to change the subject just a little bit, mm-hmm. um, in particular, they hope to um, you know uh, emulate some of this technology, um, and that is from observation, obviously. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like uh, whatever. I know Skunk Works is really forward thinking and. But it's kind of like whatever you can imagine also would be like, what could you do with technology? But they're stating basically that if they've seen it, then it can be done and we have to figure out how it can be done. Exactly. You know, exactly. And and that's a good statement. And I think uh, Leslie and I will talk more about that. But the Skunk Works guy is essentially saying that we've observed it. So we know it can be done. So mm. wow. we're, our aim is to go out there and do it. And uh, that's in amazing. My, it yeah. is. And in my story, I put a, a image that they had provided me. Um, Tom had sent me for my story of a craft that looks really cool that they really want to develop, that they believe um, somehow encompasses the technologies that they believe they can they can develop. Wow. Well, that's interesting. And I know um, Hal Putoff has that forward beam technology he's been working on, mm-hmm. which is really, I don't know if you've ever heard anything about that, but it kind of, the forward beam kind of clears the path um, and also uh, makes sense as far as there never being a sound boom um, or uh, or just clearing, like, say, the airspace in front for an object to move really fast. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should say, and this is another part that people were kind of uh, concerned with, is that in the gist of the announcement at the end is that they are starting up this corporation to the Stars Academy to do all of this, and that the entertainment branch, which will be the books and the movies and stuff like that, um, and some of which will be fiction, but based on reality, according to, to Tom, um, but some of it being nonfiction, uh, well, at least alleged nonfiction, but that's going to help fund the whole thing, kind of, uh, to, to keep it going, because, of course, you need money to do all of this. But they're also asking for people to give them money as well, but not necessarily get buy-in. So you can buy shares of the company. And uh, on my uh, story, I have a link to the information about the company, but they're also asking people to buy shares for the company, and some people are like, oh, look, it's just a big money thing, but um, they're it's a public benefit company, which means they can't spend as much money on profits as, as most companies. They have to put more money into the, to the goal, and uh, I, I personally have talked to these guys, uh, at least some of them, and um, I mean, they're not 
this isn't about money for these guys, um, unless they fooled me. But I don't know. You spoke with Chris Mellon. I mean, what are your impressions of him? Um, he seemed really sincere, you know, and, and that um, particular uh, interview had lots and lots of downloads and a lot of comments. Um, and you can also see it's up on YouTube. There's a lot of comments on there. And a lot of people um, were, of course, um, you know how it goes, were suggesting that he was a DISO uh, agent, you know, disinformation agent and, you know, all the typical stuff. Um, and then why didn't he do this and that? And then someone, um, Richard, uh, Richard Theme, when he was on my show, he said, why does Chris Mellon have a 12-year gap on his LinkedIn page? Um, where he has nothing there at all. And, you know, my thoughts and answer to that, he is part of the, the Mellon family, the Mellon Bank, and they can basically do whatever they want. <laughs> they don't have to be working necessarily. Mm, yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, good point. But I point. think he's sincere. I think he's definitely sincere. Yeah. Well, let's move on. So Leslie and I will be talking more about that, but unless you have anything more to add, maybe we could talk yeah, about just, other... Uh-huh. Just one more thing, you know, um, when you were on my show the other day, we talked about, you know, what are people complaining about? And uh, someone that called me and started talking to me about the whole thing, what rubbed him the wrong way was that the in, there was entertainment involved. And uh, so I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on that. Well, I mean, it it's, you know, at... And it's always difficult. We have to deal with the real world. I mean, people complain about open minds and they've said in the past, you know, why do we have to purchase this or purchase that? Well, you know, most of what we provide, you don't have to purchase, Um, Mm -hmm. but we're in a unique position to be able to do that. Otherwise, as you know, it's very expensive to do all of this stuff. And so you have to provide money. And you know, what's funny is other uh, projects, you know, do people complain to SpaceX for asking for money to build their rockets to people or, or to build the Tesla cars? Um, no other area do is anything done for free. And so it costs mm-hmm. money to do any of this stuff. And so it, what's great about this is that they've got a structure. You've got someone here who's willing to funnel some of his profits which he doesn't have to do, but funnel his profits from uh, you know these money making um, initiatives into this research and this uh, like like you know Elon Musk and others have done Bezos and others. So um, you've mm-hmm. got to generate money somehow, and at least this isn't you know so much going into the pockets of others. So um, I I don't see an issue with that. Not only that, I'm personally get excited about. Um, entertainment that's based off of reality, especially in the UFO field. So, for instance, that's why I'm so into Spielberg and his interest in UFOs and what aspects of his UFO research he's brought into his movies. I think that's cool and fascinating, opens people's mind, open my mind, Close Encounters. I mean, what would we do without Close Encounters? I think there's this field was would not be as big of a deal if it wasn't for Close Encounters. So, mm, Right, right. That's a good point. So I don't know. I I don't share that concern. Yep. Okay. I got it. Um, thanks for thanks for talking about it. Mm-hmm. So you got some UFO news? I've got some UFO news, and <laughs> it's right. funky. It's funky. Good. All right. So a Florida witness reports a rectangular UFO near Tampa Bay, and this was in Tarpon Springs, which actually my aunt and uncle 
lived in. I used to frequent oh, wow. there as a, but I never saw a single triangular UFO. No. At all. So, you know, basically I'd like to read verbatim um, what he says in this report. It's, it's interesting. So he, he came outside for a smoke facing west on a clear sunny day with a few clouds at 1127. Now this guy knows exact everything. And that was on 10-16-2017. And he says, uh, we have a lot of air traffic in the Tampa Bay area. I noticed a dark rectangular object at 33 degrees, not 34, 33 degrees to the northwest over a mile away. I thought it was bird gliding at first, dark with no reflection from the sun. The sun was still in the east and the object was to the west. So it should have been bright as if it were, uh, I mean, if it were a plane. Um, we are subject to military aircraft such as Black Hawk, Helos, uh, etc. Et I guess the object appeared a thin rectangular object and moved south in front of the clouds for several seconds. In less than a mile and approximately at 100 miles an hour, it vanished. Uh, no cloud cover uh, when this happened. And he said that he tracked it on its known path for a while to see if it would reemerge, but it did not. And then he noticed that his eyes were full of spots every time he blinked, similar to a photo flash, but in a 20 by 20 grid of dots. He's very exact. So this is not unusual looking up at the sky in Florida, but not when you're looking away from the sun and not in a grid-like pattern. And I'm not sure what I saw due to the distance. Um, I know I was fully awake and conscious. That's always good. And saw this event clearly. The object would have been over the Gulf of Mexico, at least about a mile out. And it's that's interesting because it. he yeah. must have had to blink his eyes over and over again to be able to figure out how many dots uh, yeah. were in the grid he, pattern, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, twenty by twenty. Wow. Well, he's good at exact numbers. So who knows? I mean, if he really saw something strange, then perhaps when this thing took off, whatever technology it uses to propel itself um, caused uh, maybe a flash that was so quick he couldn't even, his brain didn't comprehend oh. seeing it. Um, Good point. So, Good point. Hey, what is this picture you posted in this article taken in 1987? Yeah. Joe Blower? So I wanted Blower. to, it, in fact, in writing this story, it was that photo was a big part of it, which is kind of, so you get two stories in one. It's a really cool photo. It's out there. Um, people see it, but you might not know where it comes from. There was this gentleman named Joe Clower, and he was essentially sending photos, taking alleged, allegedly UFO photos. He lived in the Denver area, and supposedly him and his friends would go out, and they were like, um, they would get minerals, um, was kind of what they dealt in. And they say they saw lots of UFOs and took quite a few photos, and they sent them to Wendell Stevens, hmm. who has since passed, who, you know, in uh, since the 40s in the Air Force, he's been really into UFOs and collected many, many UFO photos and, and had a few UFO photo books and calendars, some of which you can find at ufocongress.com. <laughs> many of which, what's left out there, actually. So this is one of the photos he collected from this 
Joe Clower guy who says he took this voter photo in August of 1987 of this spectacular looking, you know, rectangular UFO, very much similar to what's described in this sighting. And it has mm-hmm. uh, uh, four lights, one at each corner of the rectangle. Really interesting photo. Is it real or not? I don't know. You know, I'm really skeptical of this Clower guy because a lot of these photos this guy has sent Wendell are too good to be true. But they're definitely beautiful photos and they, they represent like this sighting very well. And that's why I used it in this photo. But I was sure to also in the um, caption of the photo in the story give you all the details I have about this photo. Yeah. Um, you know, I wonder how difficult it would be to fake something like this in 1987. They, I don't think there was, I think it was like 1990 something before there were things around like Photoshop for one. Um, That's so in a good 80, point. 87, how, did, how would someone fake hoax something like this you know what that's a really good point and you know some of these pictures that um wendell collected are really really interesting and some of them even go back to the 70s and i don't know how the heck anybody would have um created some of these i just found it photoshop was developed in 1988 so it didn't even exist its initial release was in 1990 so yeah this wasn't photoshop I don't know how someone would do this, and I would love to hear, you know, someone like Mark D'Antonio's response. And that's one thing I would like Mark to do is go through some of these old Wendell Wendell photos because I don't know how some of these could have made been made before Photoshop, including this one. It's a really, really interesting, really cool photo. Now, what happened to someone said that uh, Wendell's photographs are not no one's able to view them anymore. Someone bought them and stowed them away. What do you know about that? Have you heard anything? Well, we're the ones who bought him. That's why I, th- you know, this photo is credited <laughs> openminds.tv photo archives. It was my boss who oh. bought him. And it's oh, kind wow. of okay. silly that people, man, I can see <laughs> why people, that. oh, that's okay. Say they were stowed away and you can't see him because you can't, you can't, you know, some people can come to our office and look through them, but not everybody. However, we've been posting ever since we got him for the last eight years, we've been posting these photos at openminds.tv and in the magazine. In fact, we would feature like almost, uh, you know, at least five or six of these photos in every magazine and tell you all about them. We've got on YouTube a ton of videos about these photos, the best ones. So the best photos um, we have written and published and shared everything we know about these photos. So we've shared a lot of information about these photos. And like in this story, we continue to do so. So they certainly are available. And like I said, in those books that we have at UFOcongress.com, that's why we have them. Uh, you can, uh, they've got full descriptions in the books and in the calendars as well. So yeah, we're definitely providing that info information and getting it out there. So. I think um, I just put my funky foot in my funky your mouth. Your funky you know. foot went in your funky mouth. I think I did, yes. That's okay. Um, that's funny because I, I had a guest on that mentioned that there was no way to look at Wendell Stevens' photos. It is absolutely and here impossible. we are. Yes. So, yeah, sorry and about that. I am responsible for locking them up. You will <laughs> never have access. They're too good to be true. 
and somehow somebody got one out onto openminds.tv today. <laughs> it's a conspiracy, I say. You better go to the site and look at it before I take it down. And the government takes it down, of yeah, course. the government, yeah, too. Exactly. So, any more news, my man? That's it for me. All right, cool. Yeah, openminds.tv, you can check that out. You know, we've been consumed with this whole Tom DeLong thing, so that's been most of the news out there. The only other story I had, speaking of the magazine, as the magazines, um, you know, we run out of them, I post stories from the magazines, and I've done that a couple uh, from issue six because we no longer have any for sale. And one of these stories is from Kathleen Martin about the campaign to discredit Betty Hill. So Betty Hill is Kathleen's aunt. She was the first um, abductee. Her with her husband, Betty and Barney Hill, uh, claimed to be uh, have had this experience. And people have tried to debunk her, of course, over the years and discredit her. And uh, Kathleen writes all about that. So it's a great story that people can check out at openminds.tv. But otherwise, that is all, my friend. So thank you for joining us again, Mr. Funky Willis. You're very welcome. Let's go ahead and talk to Leslie after this short break. You're listening to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas. I am very happy, especially this week, to welcome back to the show, Leslie Kane. Hello, Leslie. Hello, Alejandro. Great to be here. So this is another one of your Huffington Post contributions that is a big deal. I mean, it's fun because when you uh, have breaks, breaking news that you post in these Huffington Post um, articles that are usually really exciting. And this certainly was another one, one of which you've worked with before, Chris Mellon. So I guess to start off, what happened yesterday? What was this that Tom announced and why is it so important? I know that's a big question. Yeah, it's a big question, and I think people um, should definitely go to the website, which is to thestarsacademy.com, and, and read about it for themselves. But basically, he just announced the formation of this new enterprise, which has kind of been germinating for the last year or two, um, which, is, which is this company. It's a public benefit corporation, which means that it has a mission to serve the public, and it means a lot of stuff financially, too, and I'm not involved with that aspect of it. So I just encourage people to go read about it. It's well worth looking into this. But the exciting thing about it is that they have a group of people who are really outstanding that are involved. And, and just to tell you a little bit more about it, they, are, they have the company divided into three divisions. It's science, technology, and entertainment. And they have a very eloquent way of explaining how those three areas interact with each other and how the one of the reasons to do the entertainment for instance to do movies and books and things like that some fiction nonfiction, is to is a way of just sort of getting the, the word out there in a context that people can enjoy and assimilate the information and then the, whatever funds they can raise from that can be used to fund the scientific work which is what they really want to do they want to do science studying unidentified aerial phenomena and other paranormal or sort of 
you know, issues that are on the cutting edge. And, you, and then through what they learn, they want to develop technology that relates to that. And, of course, it takes money to do that. So that's what the company's about. But what I'm really interested in and what I wrote my stories about was who the people are that are involved and why they're doing this and what it might mean in terms of uh, a potential greater openness from within the official world about this topic. So there were some very exciting people um, that are involved with this. And really, to me... um, and your story came out before the press conference, so your story kind of started a lot of the excitement. And then, um, at least for me, it continued during the press conference. But these are people um, at very high levels in um, areas such as intelligence, uh, where it's unprecedented for this, this sort of group of people to come out and and. Be enthusiastic about wanting to investigate UFOs. Yeah, I think it's pretty uh, pretty unprecedented. I agree with you. And just to, just to say one thing about you just mentioned, I did one story before the event, and then I did a second story the day of right. the event that afternoon. So they sort of they're they're very closely connected. But there was certain uh, information that I wanted to emphasize after the event happened. But yeah, I mean, you know, you have um, these are these are the interesting thing about them is not only their credentials, but also the fact that these are people who have had a profound interest in this topic for a long time. They're very well connected to the intelligence world, the defense world, the inner workings of the government, and um, they have a, they just have a lot of experience and knowledge at deep levels, and so. It's sort of like these are people that have always remained in the shadows in a way, and it's sort of like they're saying, okay, we're going to come out into the light now, and we're going to present this information to the public, and we're not interested anymore in just sort of hiding in these these programs and keeping everything quiet. They want the world to know. And uh, you have, for instance, um, you know, like I I can mention, you know, you have a one person's a 25-year veteran of the CIA's Directorate of Operations, and he's, he's been involved with their technology, and he's just been deeply involved with work in the CIA. And you have this the, the Stephen Justice from Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, who's like one of the absolute top officials there, who's had a long career as an aerospace engineer working on highly classified aircraft. He's absolutely brilliant, this guy. And he uh, wants to come over to this company and develop technology that relates to the kinds of things we see UFOs doing. I mean, he believes that if if we've observed it in the sky, the way he says it is, it can be done. It can be done because we've seen it. And he thinks that he says we're sort of on the edge of being able to understand scientifically how the UFOs can do the things that they do. And he wants to build a vehicle that manifests that, and he believes that he really can do it. You know, they're, they're very a very visionary group that if, that have the skills to pull off what they want to do, if they can create the you know if they have the resources to do it. That's what it all boils down to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was particularly interested in as well in um, Lou Lou Alizondo, who was the former head of the. This is the this is to me is the biggest headline from all mm-hmm. of this. The former head of the uh, a, a secret program within the Department of Defense, which looked into UFOs, which has never been known before. He headed up this program for about nine years, 
and he left only about nine days ago from that job. Wow. So even though he's a retired official, you know, we also we often hear about these retired officials, you know, 20 years after they've been in some position, they might say a few things, right? This is a guy who was doing this less than two weeks ago, and he was heading up a program in the DOD. So now we know, we have an answer to the question that everybody's always asked. Does the government study UFOs in secret? I mean, everybody kind of thinks they did, but we didn't know for sure. Now we know there is a gover- there is a program within the DOD. It's been and going that, for a while, and it's going to continue. And that is a me, really big deal, right? That is so huge. That huge, and that's what my second story was about, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I just don't know if people really understand the significance of of what that that is. But to me, it's very clear how mm-hmm. important that is. Right, because we have been told for years, and then and people like you and I who have had interactions in our investigations and research, uh, official quotes from government people telling us, you know, there are no UFO studies going on. Um, we did a whole video about how, well, according to your own papers, that's not true, but you've done a lot of that stuff too. But this is a first time we've actually got someone who is working on a program like this not only does he leave that work to come out and do it uh publicly but he's also essentially saying that we he feels he's observing technology that is not ours that he wants to help people like Stephen justice develop um through this organization exactly i mean and he's also saying that the other point he's making, not only is that there is a program, but number two, we know that UFOs are real. We know they exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is about as close to what people call, I think, disclosure as we've come. It's not like the president saying anything. We wouldn't necessarily want this president to be saying anything, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe I shouldn't make political comments. But anyway, it's like, you know... You have a DOD insider who was involved with the program saying it and saying that UFOs are real. They exist, they're unexplained, and they demonstrate advanced technology. I mean, is anyone now able to argue with that fact after this person has made that statement? I think it would be a lot more difficult than it was before he made that statement to argue with that. Mm-hmm. That's how important it is. Exactly. That's... That gives us more leverage as researchers when we're getting information and quotes, but it does move the dial, I feel, uh, for that reason. I mean, it it gets us closer, and maybe, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, uh, I think for you and I, disclosure may mean, uh, for everybody, disclosure means something different, but this sort of revelation for you and I is a sort of disclosure we expect that, uh, of course, they're looking at unknown objects. They've got to determine, like Louise says, uh, whether they're threats or not, and um, because that's the responsible thing to do. Uh, so we expected that sort of thing, even though it was denied. Uh, but to have someone come out and say they, they know that the, there's a mystery here with some of these things is, is a big deal. And that's the sort of disclosure we expect in the research that we've done, whereas maybe others are... Uh, a bit disappointed because their version of ex, uh, is disclosure is that, yeah, we have 
and I'm not trying to be flippant, but uh, it's, it mm-hmm. is, you know, along the line, some of these people, and there are people who believe this, that, you know, there's an extraterrestrial who has an office in the Pentagon that, you know, we converse with uh, about things, and they help us with policy and, and things like this. Uh, and it's not that, and maybe, you know, that has caused some disappointment in people. I I can hardly relate to that. I didn't even know there were people that think that, to tell you the truth. (laughs) But I dare say we're not going to get somebody coming out and saying there's ETs are in the White House writing policy. I mean, anyway, I don't know if you're serious say that, Alejandro. No, it's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just to get a little more serious, I think that you're right that this people may be looking for more than this, but I think this has to happen in stages. It has to happen in steps. Mm. And the way I look at this is it's a step towards what could be greater government openness. Because the thing about these people, even though they've moved out of their positions into this public company, this company, they are still very connected to the government, to all, and, and they, they haven't been away from their jobs that long. And they hope that there will be some kind of a bridge, that they, this may be a way that a private operation, which, is, which involves everybody, any, any, the whole public, everything's going to be open in this company to every, for everybody to see. So this may be the, the, the way that there'll be a bridge between what's going on inside and what's going, you know, this company can draw that out a little bit more because the people involved are very well connected. And that's one of the reasons why there's a lot of sensitivity around when they can release material and what they can release at given times. Because it's a sensitive business for people at this level to move from a a position they've held for 20 or 30 years into doing something like this. I mean, you can imagine the risks that some of them are taking by by being so outspoken about their interest in this UAP phenomenon, this this UFO phenomenon. So... um, they have to be careful and sensitive, and they don't want to burn their bridges when they leave these positions. Um, and there's a lot involved, and I think people need to respect the difficulty of what they're doing and the sensitivity of it and the complexity of it. You know, it's not just come out and have disclosure, but it's a delicate, sensitive process that takes time, and the fact that these people have come out to do what they've done I think is highly commendable and is really something that everyone should be happy about. It's it's an exciting development. Mm-hmm. I agree That's so much. And, and you know, I, I really wasn't joking when I was making that, the, talking about that scenario. And what I was referring to is like Stranger in the Pentagon, which is uh, Frank Strange's book, which is kind of along those lines. And there are a lot of people who believe that, you know, believe that, that, that this sort of thing goes on. And I think your reaction is um, interesting because you're kind of fabriclassed by the whole thing as, as, and, and, uh, and so it, and the reason I guess I say that is because it kind of highlights our perspective a bit and how people have different perspectives about this information and about how it all works. And one of the things I think that can get you excited, it gets me excited as well as that, those things you were just talking about, about the nuances, about how um, the government works and how these things, you know, operate and how this information can be uh, released uh, in a way that is beneficial towards towards everyone um, where these people aren't like breaking their oaths or anything like that. I mean, they're patriots. They work for their country their entire lives. Uh, that these op- 
things like like this event and discussing with these people allow us insight and then they allow you and I to share that insight with the public so that they can see how these things really work. Yeah, I think it's true. And then just let me say, I mean, I don't mean to disrespect people's oh, no, no, perspectives yeah. at all. I feel like we live in a very strange world. There's a lot we don't understand and anything is possible. I really feel that way. I mean, I don't know whether there's you know, alien hybrids on the planet or not. I'm not in a position to know that, regardless of what my personal belief system is. So I'm open to anything being possible, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But as a journalist, I'm looking for information that I can verify at this point. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that there's a lot more going on that, that than what I'm able to report on. So I just don't mean to be disrespectful at all to whatever people... Yeah. Have come to believe. No, and I guess we could talk about this. We could get this out there, too, because um, Tom DeLonge himself has some pretty – he shared some pretty uh, wild scenarios on Coast to Coast uh, with you, I'm sure, and with myself as well. And so I wasn't sure what to make of, you know, what would be coming as far as an announcement or something. But uh, as far as Tom DeLonge goes, he's an example of – Someone who's really enthusiastic and really excited about this field, just like the rest of us, and is trying to digest the information that is out there and figure this stuff out. And um, I think that it's important for people to kind of, uh, and for you and I to share kind of uh, our thoughts on Tom DeLonge, because uh, to me... He's great. I mean, there's a guy. He reminds me of Danny, another rock star. He's a guy who helped us at the UFO Congress. He's backstage. Real goofy guy. You've probably met him. I don't know if you remember him, but um, really cool, funny, nice guy. He's really into all of this wild stuff. In fact, at the last Congress, he wore this like silver suit. And he helped me hand out awards and stuff. And he was hilarious. Um, but he really reminds me of, about Tom High Energy. Uh, nice, great guy. His heart is in the right place. And um, Tom himself has a lot of beliefs that are uh, even, you know, uh, that, that go out there. But what's great about what happened yesterday, especially for myself and, and I think you, is that he didn't go the route of, you know, trying to bring maybe uh, uncredulous sort of information to the public. Instead, he went the route of using his clout to get to very serious, important people and put these people together to bring something uh, together that I feel is monumental um, in this field and that can really bring things forward. And the press conference, for the reasons that you already mentioned, did. Uh, it was uh, a momentous occasion, and things did happen there that have never happened before, such as, you know, what you mentioned with Elizondo. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I do agree. And I think a lot of the information that Tom was talking about in those earlier coast-to-coast interviews were information that some of the advisors that he had in the beginning were giving him. And, you know, he had this, you probably remember, sort of in the early days, he had these secret advisors who were very, very high level, and some of their identities were revealed uh, when the Podesta emails were leaked through the WikiLeaks, uh, when they hacked his emails and released them. So those names came out, but the, but before any of the people who are in it now 
became the core of the group, he was basically cultivating these very high-level relationships with these different... They were, they were independent people at very high levels, and some of them were, were giving him information. And he accepted it as valid without knowing where they got the information from. Hmm. But, you know, he, he found them so credible. And I always had this sort of question in the back of my mind, well, is that their personal beliefs or is that facts that they have learned from the inside? And Tom thought they were facts, and he was the one who talked to them. I didn't. So I think that, you know, I don't think he... I think that's a lot of where the information came from that he was focusing on, as well as his having read a lot and so on. And I don't, you know, I think he's very amenable to learning more, to being influenced more, and he doesn't want to put anything out in the world that's going to be creepy to people, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just doesn't want to do that. So I think he's kind of reined himself in a little bit on that level at this point. I also feel like it's my impression from speaking with him and the other guys, uh, and and you probably have a little more insight into this. He even tweeted that he's got to get back to doing some music work uh, this morning. It seems like he put the group together. Now the group is going to go forward with this effort, and he is stepping aside a little. And the reason I think that is important is because when we look at what uh, the the fruits of this effort may be, um, is we we really need to look towards these people that you have written about, uh, these very important grounded, level-headed people at a high level, um, because they're going to be the people who now are going to be moving this forward. Yeah, and let's just, I just hope they have success. I mean, I I really do. I think they have tremendous potential, and we just hope that they're going to realize the goal that they have and be able to develop the company. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't know how it's going to work out, but I certainly hope it does work out. And even if it doesn't, you know, like there's not some huge SpaceX sort of company um, that starts to work towards all of this. Uh, I think that it's still important that now these people are out there. Now these people, right. kind of like Chris Mellon or Hal Putoff, are out there as being interested in this field and wanting to do something in this field. So now we have these new uh, big guns. These Now that we have these new great resources to help in this effort. I agree, and I think that even if, nothing else happens from here on. What has happened is absolutely extraordinary. I think what Tom has done is extraordinary, that he was able to make this thing happen and and draw these people in and create this entity, which is this company. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's a real accomplishment, even if nothing else happens. You're right. And we have all these interesting people now who are, who have come into the public world and, will continue to be in that in the public world. I have to assume that, regardless of what happens with the uh, to the stars company. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's news here, and that news doesn't go away. It 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 moves us forward, and no no matter what else happens, it's been a, a tremendous accomplishment. I believe that's so that's my position anyway. I mean, I sat down with four of these people for four hours, just about a week before this launch, and I've known Hal Putoff for a long time. I, I I spoke with Steve Justice numerous times on the phone, so I really have no reason to doubt the integrity of these people. I really, they're brilliant. They care. They're doing this for the right reasons. 
They don't need money. They're not into making money. They're all perfectly well off. They've had long, very successful careers. And they're doing this for the reasons that they say they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of doubt out there in the community about that, but I don't quite understand that. Uh, but I can, you know, to the extent that people are willing to trust me, I can tell you that my assessment of them is what I just said. And uh, so if I'm wrong, time will tell. But I, I, I think they have a lot of integrity. And I've, I've known Chris Mellon and Hal Plutoff for quite a while. So I know who they are. The others I only met recently, but I spent a lot of time with them. And I've worked closely with the group in the last week. So I think they really are, are who they say they are. Mm-hmm. And so I people wanna... don't have to be second-guessing them, you know, and saying, oh, they're just doing it for this reason or that reason, or, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's uh, money-making. I mean, you know, people are saying a lot of sort of negative things. I don't quite understand why unless they've had bad experiences in the past or something, but I would not be writing articles about this group if I wasn't hadn't carefully assessed who they mm-hmm. are and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've had great experiences as well. And I want to talk more about some of your experiences with some of these individuals because they have some really interesting things to say. Chris Mellon is an interesting person himself, someone that you've written about before. And he uh, introduced an incredible case uh, yesterday at that press conference. So I want to talk to you about that as well. However, we are out of time for this segment right now, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. For those of you listening on KGRA, you'll hear a commercial break. Some great companies that help KGRA keep rolling, so please check them out. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, you'll hear uh, a little music break and then we'll be right back with Leslie Kane. Listening to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am with Leslie Kane. Hello, Leslie. Hi, Alejandro. How are you? <laughs> Good. So, before the Good. break, we were talking a, a bit, well, we were talking about all the guys, but in particular, Chris Mellon. And the reason I wanted to talk about him is because uh, you know him and you've written about him. You kind of were, I don't know what to call it, kind of an uh, outing UFO outed type of you wrote about his interest in UFOs. Um, I did want to mention just for a sec though, he did introduce, which was really interesting, a great case, a great Navy case, UFO case at that press conference yesterday. Yeah, he talked about the Nimitz case, which he's very interested in. Uh, 
and it's a case involving the USS Nimitz, which was a battleship. It took place off the coast of California in 2004. And what's great about it is I don't, I don't know the specifics of the case that well. I haven't really had time to look into it, but there, people can find information on it uh, through the speech that Chris gave. And I, I think you just said that George Knapp has written something about it. George, I think, has looked into that case also. Mm. But it, it involved uh, um, this, the sighting that lasted for hours of this object that people say looks sort of like a tic-tac. Like some people call it the tic-tac case. Um, and w- what's extraordinary about it is that the uh, it involved all these Navy people, as you said, pilots, Navy pilots, and there were multiple witnesses to this, very highly credible witnesses in, in airplanes, that and all kinds of maneuvers that were observed of the object that couldn't possibly be done by the technology we have. There's one instance where it was at 80,000 feet and then dropped, hovering at 80,000 feet, just in a, in a very fast drop down to 50 feet and was just hovering above the water at 50 feet. And the thing about it is there were two independent radars that picked up this object. And then one, with a, one was from another battleship that was nearby. So there's just a lot of data on it, a lot of witnesses, and it was in broad daylight and it lasted for hours. Yeah. So this case has been, yeah, it's been of great interest, and Chris Mellon has interviewed at least one of the pilots. I know that many more of them have been briefed uh, on this case. So here again, it's like, my goodness, this is huge. This alone would be huge news, that a deputy assistant secretary of defense for intelligence for two administrations is coming out at a press conference discussing... Uh, this incredible UFO case that he even suggested that, like, you know, Congress, people in Congress can go look this up and see for themselves that pilots had this experience. I mean, he's even kind of calling upon, you know, uh, uh, politicians to Congress to get involved with this and to check this out to see that it's a, a, a real thing. This is big. This is as big as I think something else big that you were involved with when John Podesta came out and spoke about UFOs and how, uh, you know, there is some secrecy around this. And, of course, that's a meme in this field that is repeated over and over again when people are trying to bring credibility to this field. So this is another very important moment that happened yesterday. Um Now, you had written about Chris Mellon and his UFO interests before. How did you come across him, and um, how did that story come about? Well, he was um, interested in this group called UFO Data that I've been involved with, which is is a group um, that's trying to set up stations around the country uh, to capture data on UFOs. That's, in a nutshell, what, what it's doing. And um, it was founded partly by Mark Rodiger and a couple of other people. And Chris just contacted us one day because he was very interested in this topic and he liked what we were doing. He liked the sort of scientific approach that we had. And we had scientists and PhDs and people like that involved. And he joined the board of UFO Data. And that's how I got to know him. And the interesting thing about Chris Alejandro is that he really hasn't been around that long with this issue. He has not had decades of experience the way some of these other people have that are involved. Um, he just became extremely interested in it, although he's always sort of had a curiosity about it. He writes about He talks about this in the article that I wrote about him, and people can read this article if they go to the Huffington Post. It's an in-depth interview that I did with him. 
Um, and he does talk about how there were times in his career where he would hear about events and things would happen, and he was always curious about it and always took it seriously. But but he just, uh, after joining UFO Data, he just decided he wanted to just do more with his with this topic. And after joining that, he contacted um, Tom. In fact, I think I, I introduced him to Tom, actually. I remember that. And then he just became very involved with Tom's group and now is one of the key people in it. And so he's it's very interesting too because in my in my article about him, my interview with him, he talks about how he doesn't he absolutely was convinced that there was no program going on within the US government. Which is so interesting. Uh it's sort of like John Alexander, hmm. you know, he he didn't find one and he didn't believe that there was one. Now he was looking possibly in in different areas than uh to, you know, from where this program was in the D- Department of Defense. But nonetheless, he really didn't think there was. And now, of course, <clears throat> he's completely changed his position on that because of what he's learned. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting for me to observe that process of, with him of having learned uh, by joining this group and knowing these people. And then with, with Lou, Alejandro, um, Lou Elizondo coming yeah. out, you know, we're all learning something that we never knew before. So he's been through this kind of evolution with this which is really interesting and that's one reason why i think it's interesting for people to read the interview because you you learn a lot about his background through that but you also can see how he's changed through and how sincere he is and how smart he is so that's how i got to know him and then after he started getting involved with tom he just worked full time basically in trying to make this thing happen and -hmm. he's been very helpful he has a strong background in business and and um, um, entrepreneurship and things like that. So he, I think he was able to help them a lot with that aspect of it also. Mm-hmm. So another guy that I got to talk to, and, and, and obviously you did too, he's the Vice President of Operations for To The Stars Academy, is Jim Semivan, another person with an impressive background. He's a senior intelligence uh, service member for the CIA. He worked there for 25 years. Um, he worked for uh, some impressive the Central Intelligence Agency's Directorate of Operations. Um, and I got to talk to him, and, and so did you, but this is a man who you can very, you can see has another kind of like the rest of us. I mean, that's what's amazing. These people are like us, like our listeners. They're people who have an intense interest in the paranormal and including UFO phenomena. Jim has talked about having his own experience um, and and obviously a very capable person, but uh, with another incredible background coming out to say he wants to investigate UO, UAPs. He told me he wants to spend his last, he thinks he's got 15 years left in life, he wants to spend that 15 years investigating UFOs and other paranormal phenomena. Yeah, I mean, and he's entirely sincere. He's an absolutely lovely person, Jim Semivan. And I, having had the intense uh, encounter that he had, he and his wife, some years ago, uh, you know, that's really impacted him. And I think the people out there who have had, you know, experiences, positive or negative, I know a lot of them are not positive, people who are part of the whole abduction world, can, um, don't have to feel that somehow they're excluded from this because they're mm-hmm. not. I mean, these are people who 
understand the ramifications of the phenomenon, and they have among them at least one person who has been open about his own experiences, and there may be others in the group that have had experiences. I don't know. Can you speak but, to um, a little bit of what his experience was? Um, I I just, you know, it, I, I really can't. I mean, he's told, he's told me about it, and I think he's going to be more and more open about it, but I don't feel comfortable repeating it because I'm not sure to what extent he wants to it to be made public. I mean, maybe you know more about that than I do, but um, I don't really. I, I think at some point he will. I mean, he wrote and he wrote a very eloquent foreword to Tom, one of Tom's books, which I would encourage everyone to read. Um, it really shows what a profound person he is, and that he's and he writes about it in that book, in that foreword. It's in black and white. This this guy with a twenty five year career in the CIA at a very high levels. Um, you know he's a he's a he was a CIA senior intelligence guy, and he writes about how he understands the phenomenon, when how 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 difficult it is to comprehend it, and how complex it is, and how it's just extremely eloquently written. Um, I have it in front of me here. I'm trying to find, but he and in that within that context of that, he acknowledges that he's had an experience of his own, and that it changed his life, and that. Um, he, there was no way that he could understand it or explain it. Yeah, he, he doesn't, I guess he hasn't shared much. And, and here's the section. He says, I will not attempt to go into the experience here, but I will say that it was one of life's game changers for both my wife and me. The experience was simultaneously frightening, perplexing, frustrating, and absurd. Wow. Yeah, I mean, those are, that's a beautiful way to describe it. His language is, he's just uh, really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's an example, you know, and he's and there's I mean I think people need to know that with all these people, with everything that they say, there is always a lot more. There's always more than what people say that's mm-hmm. lurking in the background, you know? Um especially people at these levels, they're very careful about what they say and how much they say, and you've got to look between the lines and try to try to, you know, pick out the hidden meanings of things and just realize that there's usually a lot more to things than what they are willing to say because they're so sensitive about it all. Mm-hmm. So, and you can assume that with, with Jim, he had a profound experience and there are a lot of experiences out there who are going to feel they can relate to that because they've had the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's so, or similar things, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's a wonderful, I'm just so happy that they have somebody like that in the group. Because everybody's part, everybody can be part of this. You know, it's not just for people who think, oh, you know, high-level government and we don't think there's anything weird about this. We just sort of think there's objects in the sky and we don't really know what they are, blah, blah, blah. It's much bigger than that. And I think these people really understand that the UFO phenomenon is much bigger and stranger than just objects coming from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's why it's fun to talk about these individuals and why I like to share about Jim because I found like you, he's a wonderful guy, um, just highly, highly motivated and interested to, to look into all of this. Um, and that's one of the good and the bad things when it comes to journalism um, in that we get to really dive into the situations, no matter what it is we're writing about, whether it's science or, or 
with with you with some of the other you know near death stuff, and you get to see that you know these are real people that are involved with all of this, and a lot of it is telling stories about these people and humanizing all of this, which I think is important because especially in this field with UFOs, and and I think it happens in politics and other areas, uh, people dehumanize, and, and these people just become their titles or positions. Uh, when really people are more complex than that. Things are much more complex than that. And uh, that's why it's important to, um, you know, understand that and get to know these people and get to understand the motivations and everything behind it. Because then you can better understand. Um, I agree. And I think that's really one of the roles Tom plays, too, is that he's just sort of this hip guy, you know, <laughs> this younger guy. Mm-hmm. Who is, has has a has not had a life in government, and he can sort of represent. You know, he he pulls in people because he's just this cool guy. You know, uh, and it's not like everybody involved is some kind of a a government person. I mean, he has a way of unifying everybody and reaching out to the outside world, which I think is really positive. I like the way he he goes about that. Yeah, I agree, and he is cool. I mean, he's just a really. He's a fun guy. He's a lot of fun. With with Steve Justice, now you got to meet him. Well, I talked to him. He was the one, the only one that I haven't met in person. Okay. I haven't met Tom in person either. I've only talked to him over the years. But um, Steve, I did talk to him on the phone quite a few times, and he's. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I just sort of feel when I get on the phone with someone like that, it's like, wow, am I actually talking to this guy? You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he's. Um, He's really had this very incredible career at Lockheed Martin, very high-level position, direct, so, uh, program director for advanced systems, and 31 years inside that company. Yeah. And he's absolutely brilliant. And, and he so must have spent inspired. time at Area 51. I don't know. I didn't ask him. <laughs> I, didn't <laughs> I ask would him have that. loved but to have asked. Uh, he's very, uh, just very visionary, you mm-hmm. know, very uh, inspired about the potential and he just sees he loved working at Lockheed Martin. He has no no negative feelings about it, but he sort of sees this as a new chapter in his life. It's just sort of like the next chapter where he wants to get, you know, be able to create something that probably couldn't happen in the system that he was in before. Not that mm-hmm. they don't do incredibly wonderful things that help our country because they do. But for him to, you know, he has the knowledge that that would allow him to just step out and create this this vehicle that could really, really change the world. And he has this, it's just so fascinating to hear him describe, as he did at the event. I mean, people can go on and listen to that, describe what he wants to do. Um, And he's he's just this brilliant person. I mean, you just can feel that when you talk to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's this guy who wants to... And not that this is necessarily new, because this is what Bigelow wanted to do. This is what um, I know John Trusher with MUFON wanted to do. Bob Wood, who's part of the MUFON, wanted to do. These guys who have worked in defense, they they get interested in UFOs because they believe it is a demonstration of a technology that's beyond ours, and they want to glean what they can from the adverb observations to develop vehicles or to develop tech, that technology and that's what's really cool about this guy from skunk works the people who run area 51 and, and develop all the incredible air, aircraft some of which i'm sure we don't even know about wants to come out in the public and and do kind of a space spacex type of thing and develop um this technology based off of ufos or uaps yeah, and they have to, I mean, what what they have to do is, and they're in the process of doing this now, is really working out uh, 
the physics of how these objects maneuver through space. Uh, and how the, and it has to do with with working with the metric of space time. It gets pretty sophisticated, but there are scientists that have studied this, and they're sort of on the verge of really under of being able to have a scientific model that explains through advanced physics how objects are able to appear to blink blink on and blink off, and then jump from one space to another in a matter of a second. That kind of behavior that we've seen over and over again can be explained in terms of uh, the physics that is known, um, and you know, I'm not a physicist, but it has to do with <laughs> bending space-time and working within this that and altering the space-time metric so that you can move really from one place to another in an instant. And there, there, you know, that has to be applied to the creation of tech, of a vehicle that he wants to build. And so they're going to, the scientific division would work in cooperation with the technology. Uh, to develop, to further understand it through science and then be able to apply that to building something. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I mean, they have, they have Hal Putoff to sort of head up the scientific effort, and they have Steve Justice. I mean, they couldn't ask for better people to mm-hmm. do this. It's funny because someone, you know, Robert Schaefer online, he is uh, a skeptic, but uh, uh, he, he, he's a fun guy to converse with. And he said, well, how do they expect to actually bend space time and uh and you know he's trying i think he directed that question towards me i don't know but i couldn't explain to you how my iphone is able to communicate with people that are you know uh, out there that i can't see uh that technology is beyond me and so we have to rely on these experts and these are people who are experts with the credentials to get something like this done yeah, I think if Robert Schaefer has that question, he should ask Hal Putoff that question, so not you. That's a great I, – I usually give those sorts of answers, <laughs> but that's that's exactly where I should have directed him. So we're almost yeah. out of time, but are you going to be writing uh, – do you have a, another story planned in the near future on this topic? I I know that there will be other things down the pike coming along. Um, I don't know when, though, so I can't say in the near future. No, I sort of doubt that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I didn't anticipate doing these stories either. So it was literally because I went to this meeting a week before the event and, you know, hoped they just brought me in and I was hoping I could do a story. That, that's why it happened, but I wouldn't have, a week before that, I had no idea that was even going to happen. So it all was very, very fast and unexpected. And so I think that's probably wow. how it's going to continue to be. Um, I'm hoping that as they bring more information forward, that I'll be able to report on that and alert people to the fact that that's happening. And, you know, I mean, I'm interested in reporting on this because I think it's one of the more interesting things that are going on right now. And we'll just, so I'm going to stay on top of it and mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens. But I really don't know how the, what the timing is going to be at this point for things. Well, they're lucky. If they were to ask me, what is the best way for us to release information about our press conference? I would have said, let's call Leslie Kane because um, you're always on top of the most exciting stuff going on in this this arena. That's very sweet of you to say. Thank you. Well, thank you. I think you do a great job, too. I'm really pleased. I think Open Minds plays a really important role in, in all of this. So thanks for what you do. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for taking the time because I know you're busy and this has been uh, a hectic few days and a lot of work for you. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I I hope people will go and read the two stories I wrote for the Huffington Post because 
there's a lot of information there that explains what's going on before people have a lot of kind of impulsive reactions. I really encourage them to think about it a little bit and read a little bit. I do too. So I, I, think. I hope that um, they're both there on the Huffington Post and they're on my Facebook page and I encourage people to read them and come on my Facebook page and we can dialogue about the whole thing. All right. Great. So, All right. Thank well, you. thank you. Thanks again, Alejandro. Thank you so much to Leslie for being on the show again, especially this week when there's so much going on. No doubt if, if you've been on her Facebook, there's she's got a lot of questions she's answering about all of this that happened. And she really wrote the story last Monday that broke this whole thing, that got it all started. I had talked to Tom. I knew something was going on soon, but I didn't know the exact day. And then when her story came out, I knew it would be the next day. And that's when I started hearing from Tom DeLong himself and I was able to get some information up at openminds.tv but uh, she did another important follow-up article so she's got some really important articles like she mentioned so be sure and check those out at Huffington Post um, before you know you make any final determinations because maybe it wasn't what you thought it would be but there is a lot of important information that was shared this last week as part of this Tom DeLong press conference really cool stuff stuff. So check that out. Also, be sure to check out both of her books. Of course, one of the most important and impressive books in the UFO field is her book, UFOs, Generals, Pilots, and Government Officials Go on the Record. The other book, her latest, is Surviving Death, A Journalist Investigates Evidence for an Afterlife. Really interesting. She goes into a lot of different aspects of this afterlife uh, phenomenon, you know, near-death experiences out-of-body experiences, um, evidence of reincarnation, a lot of interesting stuff. So be sure to check out that book as well, both of which you can find on Amazon. So good stuff. Thank you so much to Leslie. Also, I want to remind people all of the news that Martin and I talked about at the beginning of the show can be found at openminds.tv. Of course, you can hear Martin on his podcast, uh, UFO podcast. And I want to thank the person who created the opening close music, Caleb Hanks. I do want to remind people about the UFO Congress. Lots of really cool stuff. We've got more and more speakers being posted there. And like I said, I've been in contact with Tom DeLong and some of these guys as part of this group. We'll definitely have something uh, regarding all of this at the UFO Congress this year. So along with the other speakers that we're going to have, if you see, it's going to be a really important event. It usually is. It always is. But this is going to be a really good one. Um, So I look forward to seeing you all there. You can go to ufocongress.com to see more about that. Otherwise, thank you to KGRA for having us on their network. And thank you to you, of course, the listener. You guys rock. So we'll have another great show coming up next week. And until then, adios muchachos.